You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Thank you for tuning in to 15 Minutes of Flame, where we talk and talk about sex, cannabis, and other things in between. Today is May 19th. Happy birthday to my nephew, uh, who is finishing his freshman year in college, and also uh, Brother Malcolm X. Today is his birthday as well. Um, I am Dr. V. Helene, and uh, yes, I bring a special guest with me today, Ms. Amber Cabral of the Cabral Company, a diversity, diversity and inclusion consulting agency. So uh, we're going to get into some of the stuff that she does in a minute, and um, we're going to talk about some other hot topics in diversity and inclusion uh, in a sexuality kind of way today, too. Um but first, what I'm talking on today, all weekend I've been talking on Sunshine Number Four. Um, it's a sativa hybrid, and I just love it. It's it's a nice aroma. It's a good feel. I feel like I can function when I'm on this. So Ooh. you know, what's a sunny day without Sunshine Number Four? All right, all right, sounds great. <laughs> you know. Um, also, uh, just recently I heard in the last week that I don't know how true this is, but I guess. You know, with political elections coming up, you know, marijuana and abortion are going to be some big ticket items, I'm, I'm assuming. So um, I heard in the news that it's possible that we could be looking at federal legalization yep. uh, of marijuana as soon as 2019. Now, I don't know how that's going to be possible because we still got fights in certain states that, you know, kind of dropped the ball on us. I'm not saying any uh, names, New Jersey, but yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly positive, you know, that's going to be a reality, but we'll see how many people try to run on that ticket and gain some uh, popularity and votes using yeah. marijuana as their base. Uh, but Amber. Yes. Okay. Thank you for coming by. I'm Thanks glad I caught me. you in town this weekend. Yeah, yeah. On the go, Home on the go. Hey, I know that's right. I know. I, I I live in two places, but I still feel like I'm more and more saying Detroit is my home again. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. But yeah, it, it's always my heart. So, uh, I'm glad we had a chance to catch up and and talk about some of the stuff that you're doing. Um. So. Part of your work, you know, you you are a female entrepreneur. Yes. You know, women are one of the largest minorities when it comes to the workplace. Yep. And uh, part of your work is actually helping companies, including Fortune 500 companies, elevate their diversity and inclusion practices. Um, it seems like this has been a theme running in the news as of lately as we see some other Fortune 500 companies get in trouble with their lack of diversity or, you know, cultural appropriation practices and things like that. Uh, for example, like Gucci, I think Dapper Dan is kind of giving them a, a, a little revival yeah. for their big mistake. Definitely. Um, and it seems like more and more companies are trying to look towards diverse, diversity and inclusion practices. But with that said, you know, I know this is your work and in your opinion, you know, do you think successful diversity and inclusion in business um, is something that's truly a goal 
Or is it a moniker that people are using to say that we are a diverse company, you know, to look attractive? Because I wonder how much of it is really implemented in practice as much as it might be a goal in your mission statement and things like that. Yeah, it's a business. I mean, so I think with any business, you're going to encounter people who are pretending, want to check a box. That's Mm -hmm. absolutely a part of it. Um, the larger you are, the more of a daunting task it is. Okay. And so it gets harder for, you know, a two, three, ten, twenty billion dollar company to say, we'd like to shift in this direction and mean it mm-hmm. all the way down to like, you know, from the head to the toes, right? Right. But then, you know, you have your smaller organizations that are either just really getting started, haven't been around many years. It's a little bit easier for them to say, oh, wait, this is important and maybe we're not doing it the best way and commit. There are a lot of in-betweens there, mm-hmm. but you do have companies that are serious about it. And, and there are some ways you can tell immediately. Um, How so? So a couple things I think... I'll give it two perspectives. If you're in the marketplace for a new role, um, one of the things you should absolutely ask about in your interview is, can you give me some insight into what inclusion and diversity feels like here? Okay. And there Mm -hmm. should be an answer and a robust one, like one that feels like I know this because we're talking about it as an organization. That's a good indicator that we're trying to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another thing you can do as an employee or, you know, someone seeking to get into employment is to just really pay attention to what you see visually. Okay. Organizations that are trying to be serious about inclusion and diversity want to look that way. So you'll be able to check out their social. You'll be Mm -hmm. able to, you know, go on their LinkedIn. You can see what kind of articles are being published. And if you're seeing things that give you some kind of indication that we're paying attention to if brown people, if there are large people, small people, if there are people who are disabled, if they're all of that, women, Mm-hmm. then you'll be able to kind of say, okay, you at least are thoughtful about what you look like. And right. then the third thing is look to see if it's an organization that has a board, mm-hmm. what does their board look like? Okay. Because typically an organization is going to go to their board and say, hey, here's what we think we want to do. Are you feeling like we should buy into this? And the board will say yay or nay. And usually a board that's more diverse is going to you know, encourage that. So as an employee, that's one way. If mm-hmm. you are an organization. Yeah, that's um, a bigger issue. <laughs> yeah. If you're an organization and you're trying to message that, it's kind of like the flip side of that. It's mm-hmm. being thoughtful about what you say, how that shows up in the media. It's being thoughtful about what your job descriptions sound like. Mm-hmm. You know, do you just have like kind of that required EEO statement at the bottom? Or have you actually given some thought to how the roles in the organization are going to touch inclusion and diversity? Because everyone does. Because everybody is a person, right? That's right. And so you're going to touch it somehow. And so being thoughtful about that will show up in the job description. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a company wanting to message that, that's a good place to start. Um, Putting it in your welcome materials. Mm -hmm. You know, from the moment I enter an organization, onboarding, whether that's a day, whether it's three hours, whether it's a week, there should be something that's deliberate about, hey, we notice what's happening, whether we're a global company or even a national one. And we want to be intentional about creating an environment where people will feel invited and comfortable and safe working here. And so those are kind of some of the first things I lead with. And even when I'm assessing an organization, I start with, 
do I see these things here? In place already. Yeah, yeah. And and that lets me know kind of where you are Mm -hmm. on like the process and the journey. Right. And it lets me know if you're serious. Right. It lets me know if you're serious. You know, I I get questions, but if I get a company that comes to me and says, hey, we want to do diversity training, my first question is, for who and why? Right. And if the answer sounds like, oh, we had this problem and we want to fix it, then I'm a little bit like, uh Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's a bigger, you know, thing to look at here. There's a larger picture mm-hmm. versus if I get someone that says, "We know this is important, but we don't know what we're doing." Right. <laughs> Which and, is yeah, it's it happens. And it's that's a, the more honest honest approach, yes. I think. Um, you know, in 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 the healthcare uh setting, um I learned a term uh it was more about cultural humility yes. rather than cultural competence Absolutely. because the humility is when you say, I actually don't know and I need to learn mm-hmm. and I don't want to act like yes. I know or make assumptions about yes. other based on my own assumptions. Right, right. So, you know, and, and I think that's really important because in, in the work that I do, I do some diversity work as well in academia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as it's important to have representation and, you know, it's important to see students uh, have diverse bodies and, and faculty that can reflect the diversity of the students. We know that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, you know, a lot of times the diversity work per yeah. se falls on people who fall into the minority. Yeah. It's almost like we end up becoming teachers yeah. and that that's not what yeah. diversity and inclusion yes. practices should be about exactly. teaching other people how to deal with others. It's right. about changing perspectives, but also welcoming all perspectives yes. because we all exist in the same place and space yeah. and we have to function and be yes. productive. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so I, I can imagine that's challenging for, for companies that just want to really truly remain a status quo. Yeah, because and that's why I ask, is it it's familiar? It feels familiar. People want to hang on to the familiar. Um, Right. The majority of the org, I'll say this, I'm self-employed, so I get to say no. Mm -hmm. I get to talk to an organization, assess their culture and say, "Mm, here are the things that indicate to me that you want to be better. Mm -hmm. And I don't see those. So I might not be a good fit to help you get there. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are lots of people that do this work and we don't all approach it the same way. Mm -hmm. But I do think that because I'm self-employed, I get a bit more grace to say who and how I want to implement. Yeah. Um, Where if I were working for, you know, one of the big four consulting firms or something like that, it'd be a situation where um, I'd be limited in my ability to 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 kind of decline work, <laughs> so right, to speak, right? right. Um, but yeah, it's ab- there are absolutely organizations that are not serious, uh, you know, really looking to check the box. Know that it's a hot topic. Um, I won't call any names, <laughs> but I mean, and it, and it can be manipulative. Some companies mm-hmm. are big enough to give you a great uh, presentation, but when you get on the inside. Exactly. It's way different. And so, you know, sometimes it it really, especially if you're thinking about changing jobs, you know, it really comes down to what you ask and what kind of answers you get and mm-hmm. how to assess those answers. And I talk to a lot of people who are interviewing just about that so that they mm-hmm. know, like, wait, I don't want to move from a situation where I already feel like I'm a minority and, and a disrespected or uncomfortable one. Right. To another situation that feels that way. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know. I've never worked in corporate, but I have friends who have, yeah. and I feel like corporate is that way. 
But I also realized so many other industries are as yeah. well. I thought it was just a corporate thing until yeah. I saw it happen in academia, yeah. until I knew it start, it was possible in nonprofit yeah. as well. So, you know, I think all the questions that you suggest people pose, yeah. you know, are really important, mm-hmm. especially looking for a job. But, you know, as employers as well, if you want to really be true to your mission, yep. you know, these are things you have to uh, uh, really implement and practice and Absolutely. not just in the commercial or have the face of a campaign yeah. so that you can raise those dollars. Yeah. But then the power remains the same Absolutely. from the administration mm-hmm. on down. Yeah. You know? yeah. So uh, this is a podcast about sex and cannabis. So one of the other areas I, I, I definitely want to see grow in diversity is the cannabis industry. Sure. Um, and I was really excited some years ago and my life has been so busy. It's really no excuse because we always make time for what we truly sure. want, right? Yeah. So thank God for social media because I follow this organization even <laughs> though <laughs> I haven't been to a meeting yet. But uh, Women Grow, mm-hmm. you know, it is a cannabis organization that was founded by women for women who wish to learn about and get into the cannabis industry mm-hmm. in various ways. And it's so amazing to watch how they went from like – it seemed like they were more of a meetup group mm. that was meeting in a couple of states, yeah, and to a, a, a huge nationwide organization now, maybe even international, I believe. Mm. And they have yearly summits now, and I'm really hoping I can make it to the next one. Um, that's going to be in DC, June seventh and eighth. And you know, I, I I really like the fact that when I saw this organization, I was just like, wow, I'm not the only woman that's no. like. Yeah, Mm-mm. marijuana should yeah, be legal, it, and we can't get in this business. Yeah, and it's profitable. Exactly, it's incredibly profitable. And just you know, just to give a couple, you know, because I'm a nerd like that. Stats. Um, I'm a nerd too. Nerds <laughs> are welcome. <laughs> Good. It, it there's studies that have shown that like when women are given the money in community, we invest in community. Mm, we grow okay. and support and make sure schools are working. And like mm-hmm. so, when we have the power and the finances to invest and have a say with our dollars, which is mm-hmm. really what power means in this country most of the time, right, right? Things improve. And so, I think it's critical that an industry that's growing rapidly, regardless of what your stance may be on campus. Like Mm -hmm. it's an industry that's growing rapidly, that's producing a lot of money and it is not diverse enough. It's not diverse enough in age. It's not diverse enough in color. It's Mm -hmm. not diverse enough in gender. I mean, all of that. And so creating a space where you think about things like that, where it's like, I want my community to be better. Right. And. One of the ways I can do that is money. How can I put women in position to have access to that? That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I and I also think that it's so. One of the things I think I struggle with the most of the work that I do is people realizing that everything, every single thing you do, every person you come in contact with, it's it's about inclusion. It's, Absolutely. It's about that. It's about creating a space where when I walk in this room. Even if I'm the only, I feel safe. Mm-hmm. I can still have a voice. Right. Um, and we don't have enough spaces like that for women. We don't have enough for brown people. We don't right. have enough for older people. We don't have mm-hmm. enough for people who are, you know, handicapped in some way. I know some people prefer handicapable, but 
the, all of that is mm-hmm. a problem. And yeah. people still have great ideas and an opportunity to provide value that you would never even consider right. because you're not inviting them to the space. And so that's why I do the work I do, because I just I understand that there are a lot of rooms that I've been put in that I'm like, this would be so much better if you just right. open the doors, exactly. right? And because you, you're you really a product of your experience. Absolutely. And so add more experience. Right. right. And, I, you know, one of the things I say about uh, diversity and inclusion is it's not just a black, brown, no. red, no. male, female body. It's a diversity of thought. Yes. Ideas. Yes. Because, you know. All of those layers of who we are contribute to our ideas and what we can offer a company or, you know, a community. Absolutely. So that's what it means to have people of different, varying degrees of age, religion, race, all of the above so that we can. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We're not just speaking to this type of people Mm -hmm. because, you know, if we just look at the music industry, hip hop and things like that. I mean, just think if the music industry didn't try to open up and diversify music. Right, (laughs) right. And diversify into hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And and it shows up in a lot of ways. Like, think about you have music being sampled. It's a whole new product now, mm -hmm. you know, like. And so that's finding a way to include, right? Like I may do hip hop and sample R&B, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. you hear that some of the best songs are that way. And, and, And the other thing is like being very careful of like, you need more than just one. You need more than just one black woman. You need more than just one black man. You need more than just, you you need that. And and a big reason why you need it is I I was um, on a client site recently. Um, There were two people in the room who were, physically disabled mm-hmm. both visibly physically mm-hmm. disabled and one of them said i do not like the word disabled i think dis anything dis is negative i don't mm. like it it makes me uncomfortable okay. i think it eliminates and diminishes my identity and i am capable i am not mm. you know handicapped i'm not and i was like wow like that's powerful and right. literally on the other side of the room i had a person who was also disabled that was like no like I'm disabled. Mm, I want yeah, you to know yeah. I'm disabled and I'm still a valuable person. I uh-huh. still have ideas, but yes, I'm disabled. I can't do what you can do, but I can do things you can't do as well. Right. And so it's it's that alone. Like you want to lump those people together and say, "Oh, disabled." Right. But there's exactly. diversity even in that. And that's mm-hmm. it's so important that you look for exactly what you said, diversity of thought because those are two people with very similar experiences. That's right. But completely different perspectives, right. both valid, both meaningful, right. both can have an impact on how you hire, you know what I mean? And That's how right. you, what kind of product you create, all of that. And so right. it's, I think it's hard for people to get the race piece out of the way. And mm-hmm. in some cases, some, a lot of people need to focus on that because we're failing at it. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I would say so yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there, that definitely needs to be there. But like. It's not just that. And even if you choose to focus on that, like think about the ways you can say, okay, I have a brown person here, but like what else could I add? Like Mm -hmm. and 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 it not necessarily being just about being brown. Right. Right. And so it's the thing that's interesting, too, is people we tend to look at ourselves as very dimensional. I'm a black woman. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a parent. I, you know, I'm self-employed. I'm whatever, you know, this list of things that you are. Right. Right. But when you look at someone else, you go, oh, they're disabled. Oh, they're gay. Oh, they're, mm-hmm. they get one. Right. And right. that danger is what's creating a lot of this. It's just Absolutely. the desire to assign someone one identity instead of making room for the possibility there is 
dimensioned as you are. Absolutely. You know, um, I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, when you say that it doesn't have to just be just one. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was also thinking about when I was talking about the Women Grow mm-hmm. organization is that, you know, they have these networking events and um, they're going to have one coming up in Atlanta. So there's another uh, uh, group of sisters who do a podcast on sex and cannabis. It's called Blunt the Podcast. Okay. I love the title. I right? like that. <laughs> so and, 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 you know, when I thought about it, I said, you know, this has been something on my heart, my mind for years. But you know what? You're not the only one with an idea. Nope. And even just going into the field as a sexologist, one of the things I went into it for was to say, hey, it needs to be more people who look like me talking about sex in my community. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so guess what? Fast forward years later, there's a lot of us out here. And there's still room for a lot more of us because we need the education. We need the awareness. And like you said, we need the space. Yes. So, you know, and we also need to support one another who have these spaces. Absolutely. I think there's a fear like, oh, there's somebody doing that already. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. you kind of want to shut down. But like, I mean, when you go to the grocery store, how many varieties of bread do you have? (laughs) For real, You know what I mean? Like you can pick from 30 (laughs) brands of butter. You're in there for 20 minutes. Exactly. Do I want Land O'Lakes? Exactly. And so like it's the same thing with everything else. Mm -hmm. You get a variety and you're going to touch someone and add some value That's right. in a way that you otherwise would not. And mm-hmm. so um, it's it's just really important that I think people have that open mindedness to realize that like one isn't enough. But mm-hmm. like even if you have more than one, like recognize that you're still potentially going to have some difference between those Absolutely. two. I want to touch on something else you said. <laughs> so sex, I think sex is one of the biggest and most talked about inclusion issues I have right now. Mm. And what it really comes down to is just the fact that we marry identity, gender identity, Mm -hmm. and sexuality. Okay. And there's a lot of danger in that. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you now are, we're moving into a space where people, let me add, these people have existed forever, but people are now comfortable saying I understand that you have considered me a woman, but I'm not. I'm non-binary. Right. I understand yeah. that yeah. you thought that I was male, but I'm actually trans, right? Mm-hmm. And so people are starting to have a greater sense of identity that expands beyond male, female. That's right. Which impacts now for us sexuality because the first thing your brain does is go, okay, so how are you having sex? Because so are you gay? <laughs> right. Because if you're if you're trans right. now and you or you sleep with a man, does that make you gay? And it's like, right. why why do these have to go together? Right. Right. Like, your sexuality can be its own thing. Your gender identity can be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Like right. it's it's a difficult thing for our communities to get in our brains because we have men are attached to women, you know, like, right. and eventually in some spaces you see, okay, so some men are attached to men, but like when you start getting past like, okay, but there aren't just men and women. Now you have a number of other genders that right. people identify as. Now it gets complicated because you're trying to attach their sexuality in that. So sex is a, a whole. I can imagine. I mean, and, and the thing is, is an identity. Identity is usually something you see. Your mm-hmm. sexuality, what you do, who you prefer, how yeah. you do it. That's personal and private. It is. It it really doesn't have any business in the workplace or the business. But you're right. People attach a whole different, I don't want that in my organization Mm -hmm. piece 
which, oh, I have an example of something totally different that yeah. I'm going to get into yeah. in a little bit. Um, because, yes, it does affect businesses and people can get discriminated based upon those yeah. assumptions, exactly. you know. Um, so and let me just say this before I forget, because, you know, ganja affects the short term memory sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so I, I brought up Women Grow and Blunt the podcast because they're going to have an event in Atlanta, a sex and cannabis networking event on May 23rd at the Spice House on Cascade Road. Hmm. So if anybody is interested in in, in uh, a women sex positive, cannabis positive atmosphere networking type of opportunity, um, I wish I was in ATL. I was there like a couple of weeks ago. But, I'm in um, ATL a lot, but I won't oh, be yeah. there. So if you're interested in having some good conversations in person, you know, check it out. Um, because, you know, as I said, you know, it, it's not just about practicing it, but also supporting other people in their efforts to be uh, diverse and inclusive in, in different industries. So I, I want to flip the script a little bit, like okay. totally flip the script okay. <laughs> on diversity and inclusion, e even though we're sticking to this topic a right. little bit. But um, so this past week, everybody, I mean, it's I'm, I'm saying in the general terms, I mean, some people really don't care, but a lot of people <laughs> yeah. are uh, up in arms, have their panties in a bunch, are like emotionally at odds with friends, coworkers and others, because you have a few states that <clears throat> want to infringe on women's reproductive uh, processes. Mm -hmm. OK, and um Interestingly enough, in, in Alabama alone, you know, there's been like this picture going around on social media showing that all white male faces were the ones that decided yeah. that abortion should be illegal, including in rape instances. Now, that goes against what most people in Alabama are, are thinking. Yeah. You know, reports have been coming out. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, that is the biggest miscarriage of justice when we look at diversity and inclusion issues all we got to do is look at our government mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like what how are they even informed yeah, about making these decisions so for example there was um <clears throat> i think in uh what state was that ohio i believe so there was a republican um in ohio john becker he introduced um the bill saying that insurance would cover abortion services for two instances. One was, obviously, if it affects the mother's life. Yep. And the other was, I, I just want to get this right, only if it's a procedure intended for an etopic pregnancy, okay, oh, that is intended to re-implant the fertilized ovum into the pregnant woman's uterus. Now, I'm, I'm like, wow. Do you know that would be cutting edge technology if right. they were able to do that? Mm. <laughs> okay. First of all, that goes to show you how ignorant yeah. these people are. So there was this one um, doctor who was on Twitter uh, that responded. And I'm thinking, you know, if, if there is space for this guy to run for something, he should. I think his name was Dr. Grossman. Let me just... Scroll through. I take a lot of pictures a day <laughs> trying to follow social media. But right. anyway, OK, yes, he said, luckily, there's a treatment for atopic pregnancy, including medication and surgery. This treatment is very effective and allows women to retain fertility so they could get pregnant in the future if they want. I was concerned to see that HB 182 removes insurance coverage for this treatment, mm -hmm. you know, and then he went on to say, unfortunately, any topic pregnancy cannot be 
re-implant it into the uterus. It cannot. We just don't have the technology. So I would suggest removing this from your bill since it's pure science fiction. I love that pun intended at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, it is science it fiction. Is. And that's what they they make some of these laws off of. They're yeah. very ill-informed, obviously. It's unfortunate that, like, <laughs> these people's rules and their post-personal— This, I mean, this is exactly what you said. It's a lack of diverse experience at play. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a majority male— uh, set a leadership across the country. Yes. Um, that's very slowly changing. Um, a lot of the mindsets are still not different. So here's a thing that, you know, I, I often caution clients against. Great. You've hired women. Mm-hmm. Have you created a safe space for them? I, right. I would caution politics against the same thing. You've, you've added women to politics. You've given them power. You've invited them in. But are you listening to them or are you requiring them to behave as you do to participate in the political process. Right. Because I think a lot of times you might get in the door and you might get a seat at the table, but that seat is contingent upon you doing it the way we do. Exactly. And that removes the value of adding the diversity. Exactly. It it completely eliminates it. And so um, I don't think it's just men that have these archaic perspectives about reproductive health. I think that I'm, I'm, I agree. I, <laughs> I think it's a lot that. of women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a generational thing um, to some degree. Um, I think people who have, you know, very heavy religious influence have a certain perspective. Right. Um, but I always kind of try to put people in the mindset of when you have a headache, you pick what you take. Right. You pick if you don't take anything. Because mm-hmm. it's your head. Right. And you get to decide, I'm not going to take Motrin. I'm going to take a leave. Right. I'm not going to just, you know, suffer with a headache. I'm going to actually take something. Actually, I don't think I'm going to take something. I'm going to eat and see if that helps. You get to decide. This is just another part of a person's body. Right. So how is that decision making removed? Right. Why is that a community national decision like you you really get into dangerous territory to me when you regulate someone's parts you know absolutely you know and i think first of all i I think people need to realize since women have been able to get pregnant they have been able to yeah abort correct fetuses because it's not going to get rid of abortion exactly so you know i mean i'm i'm sure ancient women Found whatever herbs Correct. that was necessary Correct. to remedy the situation. Correct. Um, even in this country, just a, a, a little short history in a nutshell. Um, up until really the the late nineteenth century, um, abortion was actually legal. Yep. Um, up until what they call quickening, that's when the woman could supposedly feel the fetus. Yep. Right. Um, so early regulations in like the 1820s and 30s dealt with the drugs that women were taking because right. they, they would die from these drugs. Right. So, um, in, in the late teen, 1850s, um, the medical, American Medical Association <clears throat> wanted to call for criminalizing abortion. Now they say partly in efforts to get rid of the midwives, which we know when hospitals and all of that industrialization came mm-hmm. apart, they got rid of the house. I mean, midwives, yep. but you see, they're coming back mm-hmm. full force Doulas, now. Doulas, all that. Doulas. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, moving on. Um, but also, they were 
alarmed because of the growing population of yeah. immigrants, and they were afraid of declining birth rates among white Protestant American women. Yep. So in 1869, the Catholic Church banned abortion at any stage of pregnancy. But then in 1873, Congress passed the Comstock Law, mm-hmm. which I already knew the Comstock Law prohibited like birth control and, you yep. know, obscene information going through the mail. But I didn't realize it was part of, of, of course, yeah. the, the anti yeah. women's reproduction Rights. agenda. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, which made it illegal to distribute the contraceptives and abortion inducing drugs mm-hmm. through U.S. mail. So now you can't even get it through the mail. So where are these women going to go? Yeah. Um, so by the late uh, 1880s, it was outlawed across most of the country. Now, I don't know what happened in the, you know, um, years to come, almost century to come. But in the 1960s, <clears throat> 50s and 60s is when these issues start coming up again because they realized that there were a lot of back alley abortions and they estimated anywhere between 200,000 up to maybe a million of these that were happening. Yep. Um so by 70s, the 70s, I think Hawaii in 1970 was the first state to legalize abortion, but it was only for residents. And then New York was the second state uh to legalize it in 73 and it was available to anyone. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, Makes me feel like we are going backwards yeah. because Georgia, part of their law that they're proposing is if you go to another state yep. to have an abortion, right. you could be criminalized. Yes. And it's just like the whole idea of Roe v. Wade, I I feel at the core was about a person's private decision making when mm-hmm. it came to their health. Yep. Because an abortion is also a health decision. It is. You know, it's some medical, people feel like, yeah. oh, just have the baby. But what if someone knows that they may not be able to carry a child yep. to term? Yep. They may have some health issues. They're not I'm ready homeless. to reveal. OK, let's just say and let's not even get to like early birth. Yeah. Premature. Yeah, because we things. know stress yes. contributes to those Absolutely. things. So when people understand where they are right. physically and want to make a choice based on that or whatever their reason is, you know, who. Who am I or anyone else right. to tell them, no, they can't make that decision for yeah, themselves. Absolutely. If you can make a decision to feed yourself or not feed yourself every day, you should yep. be able to make sexual decisions and decisions about the consequences of sexual decisions. Absolutely. Uh, and the thing is, is like you you want people to make smart decisions about other behaviors, right? right? You want people to, you trust that people know this is illegal. You should not rob, steal, kill, etc. Right. So how do I, how am I smart enough and expected to be wise enough to discern steal, kill, you know, but can't discern this is not an okay medical situation, right? right. I live in my body. Like I know this is not okay for me. And so it kind of goes back to my headache example. It's like, you know, like, no, this is a hunger headache. I need to eat. Right. You know, I don't need to take, you know, any leave today, you know, and and it removes that opportunity. And Mm -hmm. I just think that that's it's just incredibly dangerous. Like it, it, it's the beginning of to your point, I think it is moving backwards. But I also think it's it's crippling people's opportunity to think for themselves and be able to discern danger. Mm -hmm. And we as humans need that. And it's a critical part of like survival, right? Right. right. Um, just a tidbit. There's um there's a podcast called Criminal that uh did a episode called The Procedure. Mm-hmm. 
It is all about how um, I want to say the Catholic Church, pretty sure it was, had an underground network for mm-hmm. women to get abortions. It is mm. incredibly amazing. Um, it was seriously like a whole, you called this number, the number told you where to go. It. I mean, there were women blindfolded to have the procedures done. They were wow. sent on buses out of town. And like, it was a network of something that went on. You went in, you told your, you know, uh, clergy, mm-hmm. and they kind of, okay, gave you this information and you employed action. It's really interesting because like even in that bit of history you just went through, it's like the Catholic Church says no. And I'm like, but actually, (laughs) actually, they they, they didn't. Right. Right. And so it's even that. And so I was saying to someone recently, like I was like, you know, I just wish anyone that had been involved in a woman having an abortion had to have a red stripe across their forehead. Mm. Everybody would have one. That's like, right. They would because, like, or all if you of, know someone, yeah, who had like it, because, like, you, you, you've done it. You and, and for whatever reason, it's so taboo or or looked at as you know inappropriate. And you know, the, and then there's the you know, uh, abortion is murder. You know, idea right, which yeah. is a, a whole other ball yeah. of wax to try to unpack. And um, you know, it's 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 really difficult for me, regardless of whatever anyone's perspective is, the thing that I think I always come back to that settles it for me, two things really. Number one, if you were a man, you could get an abortion in a vending machine, period. You could go to your hotel vending mm-hmm, machine. Mm-hmm. You could drop in, you know, swipe your card for 40 bucks. You know, a kit would fall down. You'd pick it up <laughs> and you go, right. you know, and, and and that's it. I mean, and, right, and it's right. evidenced by the other things. You go in the hotel room. You've got condoms. You've mm-hmm. got everything else a man needs. You've got all the alcohol you could possibly need. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like, And so, like, it's they've got women's underwear because, of course, the woman's the one that's going to come stay the night need an extra pair. Right. There's right. not like boxer briefs sitting there, you know. <laughs> right. And so right. it's it's just very masculine mm-hmm. and like patriarchal. Right. So that. Let's me know that something isn't really balanced. And then mm-hmm. the second thing is just the fact that, like, if I am pregnant, I am the host. Mm-hmm. I am the ho- I am feeding it. Children right. will steal calcium from your bones. That is a parasite. Absolutely. I get to decide if I want to host mm-hmm. this. And the fact that that is so difficult for people to connect to is baffling for me but i will say this had a good conversation with a close guy friend of mine um about another issue actually not this but it the 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 example still applies it was i don't understand how people can think like this and it we went back to oj Mm. i remember when oj was set free Mm mm-hmm Anybody black was happy. Mm-hmm. We was cheering. We was running through the halls of school. If yeah. was in school. I mean, like, it was uh, yes. big, right? He was, like, yeah. was off the hook. Right. Okay. <laughs> it was a big deal. Right. But, like, you kind of knew he was guilty. You were just like, but we still celebrated that, right? It was willful ignorance. It was willful, like, nope. Right. He's right. free. And I'm with it. And I'm happy about it. And it felt like justice for other reasons. But, like, right. at the yeah. end of the day, we knew. Right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is the same thing. Willful ignorance. You know this isn't right. You know this is unfair. Mm -hmm. But there's a part of you that's like, nope, I'm not going to let go of this piece. Right. And that I just think it's it's just dangerous. It's dangerous when people are unwilling to use their own brains to think about, 
you know, just the impact that this has as a whole instead of just what feels good. Like right. we're, we're really hung up on the idea that you're supposed to be happy and giddy and joyful all the time. And also the idea that every woman is supposed to be a mother. A mother. Yes, exactly. Okay. Let's just say that every woman does not want no. to be a mother. Right. But there may be some who want to enjoy sex exactly. in between the lifespan that they have. And they should enjoy sex. And they should. Okay. <laughs> they should. But, you know, they make a conscious choice that mm-hmm. I don't want to have a child. Correct. And, you know, people will shame them. Well, you're supposed to use birth control. Well, they have it for men, too. It's called a condom. Vasectomies are reversible. They are. And, and, and you know, I, I was reading this article, and this was an article from over a year ago. Mm-hmm. It was saying that men are 100% um responsible for unwanted pregnancies. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, yeah. they're the ones that uh, yeah. shoot the stuff, yeah. shoot their shot, Correct. right? You make Correct. it. You, and you determine the gender. <laughs> really? So, yeah. like So it's like, you know, are we going to start requiring child support like Mm-mm. in the first trimester? Because, right. you know, if because they start that, then, you know, they're going to change them laws real exactly. quick. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where much of the responsibility has fallen on women for right. so long right. as if they get pregnant by themselves. Correct. Um, and, and, and that's not the case. I mean, why Viagra? You perfected it in some such a snap crackle pop yeah. amount of time but Absolutely. why is it still going to take maybe 10 years to get the first male birth control out come yeah. on yeah. you got a drug for everything it's not out a priority here now. it's not a priority and if you even think about women's reproductive health in general like birth control is still broken mm-hmm. you know it's still problematic for women in a lot of ways women who need it for you know like lots of different reasons outside of just controlling birth like right it's still not right and so it's it's clear that the priority in this country in a lot of ways is, you know, what makes men comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that even shows up in the bedroom. I think a lot of women don't even enjoy sex the way that they should because they're preoccupied with what they've been told yeah, should happen to make men comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, like you should speak up because it can be great. Yeah, <laughs> and so, absolutely. Why sit there? And I mean, they, like they say, closed mouths don't get fed. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to speak your satisfaction or right. unsatisfaction. Right. But we're into, taught that you, you shouldn't. Know, you're right. taught that you shouldn't. You're, you're taught that if you're a woman that likes sex, or if you're a woman who enjoys your body, or if you're a woman who is just in general comfortable talking about what you want or need, that that's in some way you know, mm-hmm. inappropriate or disrespectful or like you're, you're a slut or whatever. Like it's just just generally like – I don't know if in this country we're going to get to a place where women's bodies are not still seen as property. Or shamed. Yeah. You know, um, speaking of shamed, and, you know, um, I just want to say this because I support this sister. And she publicly shared her own story. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the owner of Lip Bar and yes. um, Melissa Butler. Yeah. You know, she put a quote up behind millions of successful women is an abortion that uh, they don't regret. Correct. And when she put her own story out there, you know, you would think that so many women would be like, ah, you know, I'm glad I'm not the only person. Even if they don't say, hey, me too. Nobody's saying this is a me too abortion movement. But so many people came at her, attacked her, told her what she should have done. But 
was you donating to her child right. welfare fund? Exactly. You know, um, and so when people speak their truth and get shamed for it, and I'm not going to support your business anymore. Well, you know what? For one supporter that don't want to support anymore, I go more. out and get five to ten more That's and be right. like, I wear boss lady. I love that color. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, um, people sharing their truth shouldn't be ashamed. And, and I agree with her. Mm-hmm. You never know. You, know, you know, know, it's a lot of successful women out here that don't have children and people might think something wrong with them and they didn't this and that. And like every woman's dream yep. is to grow up, get married, have two, three, four kids, have a house, have this and that, blah, blah, blah. Some women realize my lifestyle may not be suited for that. At the end of the day, I think the most important thing, I say this a lot, uh, especially since becoming an entrepreneur with no children or no husband, um, you don't have to live the life you've been told to. That's right. I get to decide my life. And if I don't like this American dream, I can decide to live something different. That's the great thing about living here. Absolutely. And I think when you put that at risk, that should be an alarm to people. Like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. Like, I got to do what you said to do. Like that, that's, that's not what this country should be about or that we've been taught that it's about. And so, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to live the life you've told me to. Great. You think women should have kids. That may not be me. And so we shouldn't (laughs) engage. Right. But I don't think that that requires that there are laws to to shape that experience. And that's that's where the risk is coming in is that you're getting to the point where people can lo- lose their livelihoods behind a decision they've made for their own bodies. Absolutely. And that's that's the such the hypocritical part yeah. of it. It's like something like that will drive you so insane that you will shoot up a clinic because you think like yeah. you're just going against what you yeah, believe. Exactly. You know, and um just to, to, to wind it down, you know, one of the things that I think people need to realize if they want to follow trends, you know, in 2008, they said that they were projecting the U.S. population to be 47 percent white by 2050. If you look at the immigration stuff that's yep. going on, if you look at this abortion laws, yep. a major concern. Absolutely. Let's not get it twisted is the population change and that's a concern and one way to control that is through people's reproductive choices um so with that said thank you for coming and i think what you said last i want to just reiterate that and leave that with people you know your dream is yours your decisions in life make you who you are whatever those decisions are they are your decisions to make and we need more diversity in these decision making processes so amber shout out your website real quick if people want to consult you for their business thank you cabralco.com that's c-a-b-r-a-l co.com okay and thanks for tuning in again to 15 minutes of flame until next time stay positive and elevated